everyone. I am Alec Bussey, and this is episode 22 of Inside the Arc. As always, I'm joined by the Daily Illini's men's basketball beat writer for Illinois, Brandon Simberg. Brandon, how are we doing today? Yeah, doing well. Uh, excited for our conversation with Derek Piper. Uh, he's a really smart guy, and I feel like we're all going to learn from him. But other than that, you know, the weather's looking up. Um, <laughs> Excited for a busy day of college basketball tomorrow, including the Illinois game. So no complaints from me right now. Alec, how about yourself? Yeah, other than the fact that I'm going to spend my entire Friday afternoon not doing things that I would typically like to do on a Friday afternoon, uh, I'm doing great. I enjoy watching Illinois basketball despite everything that's gone on this week. It's been incredibly hectic. Obviously, you see them lose to a suddenly surging Michigan State team who now has two top seven Kempom wins this week. It's your favorite time of the year. January, February is a March, correct? That's your favorite time of the year. The time between February and March where we get Izzo time. Is that, is that correct? Man, I knew it was coming too. I, I was on a podcast last week and I said, the Izzo tweets are going to resurface on the timeline and they're here. And I don't need to go on a rant. I don't, I, I think Izzo's a little over as a March coach. So we'll see, but they look good right now. And then beating Ohio state, would make me feel better if I was an Illinois fan that this is maybe not the same Michigan state team that was in the bottom of the big Ten. and maybe they're figuring some things out, but yeah, Izzo time. I, I just did air quotes for those who can't see, which is all of you. Um, Izzo time is here. Well, what I think makes it even better too, is that what we're seeing with Michigan state right now, and this is just between you and I, like I texted you, what was it last week? after Michigan State beat Indiana, which, of course, you're a huge Indiana fan. But I texted you, I think, I said, Michigan State has a chance to make the tournament. And you're like, no, they don't. They're terrible. And I said, look at their schedule. If they win one or two of these games against Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan as well, and they handle their business against Indiana, I think, is it Rutgers? Is that their other opponent? I don't know. Maybe Maryland? I don't know. It's Maryland. I was like, they're going to get the tournament. And you're like, no, they're not. And now, all of a sudden... You text me after Illinois beat, Illinois falls up there on Tuesday. You're like, they're going to make the tournament. And then last night or Thursday after the Ohio State game, you text me, they're all the way back. You are completely back on the Michigan State thing. And it is Izzo time, and you are not happy about it. Oh, I think I think they're deaf. Am I back in? Do I think they're good? No. no. There's, to- there's two totally different sides. No. I still don't think they're good. But it is classic. Like, this is like normally Michigan State's really good at this time. Normally Michigan State's really good. It's like, oh wow! Like, look at the way they're closing out the Big Ten. Like, they're they're going to get up a whole seed line. I'm picking them to go to the Final Four. Like, and then they lay an egg in the Sweet Sixteen, or they lay an egg in the Elite Eight, or sometimes they make the Final Four, whatever. But it's so funny where Michigan State's at right now. Anyway. I, I, I'm going to be denying that they're bad all year, even when they're like inevitably inevitably playing Baylor in the Final Four. I'm going to be like, no, this team isn't good. This team isn't good. And Izzo's just going to be proving me wrong. And they're going to be up at Baylor. They're going to be beating Baylor at half. I'm going to be like, nope, this team isn't good. This team isn't good. So, yeah. It's like Gonzaga in the national title game. Anyway, no, not good. Not good. Let's, let's focus on the bigger news of that Michigan State game. Other than the loss, I think a bigger implication, obviously, is Io suffering some sort of facial injury. That sounds like it might be more than a broken nose. Um, I think Illinois fans are still pretty upset about that. Sounds like he might miss a couple games. Of course, missed the Nebraska game on Thursday. Um, sounds like he might miss a Wisconsin game and maybe even a little bit further with that injury. He's going to have to play with a face mask. Looking at that and everything else that's gone on this week in terms of Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa, Brandon, where are you at right now with this team? 
Yeah, so in terms of Io, uh, from what I was told, he's not going to play Saturday. And even Brad today didn't make it sound like he's going to play. Underwood said they're not even sure if he's going to travel. So I think we can safely say he's not going to play against uh, Wisconsin. But I know that he wants to get back out there for Michigan. And so I think he's going to return next week. Uh, what it looks like or what he looks like, we'll see. But not Doubt Io DeSumo at your own at your own risk. Like doubt that guy at your own risk. But other than that, um, I don't think this team's in a disastrous spot after the Michigan State loss. I mean, they won seven in a row. It's it's hard to win a lot of games. Michigan State's been playing better, you know, and I think they definitely showed some things against Nebraska last night that would have me encouraged. You know, Cabello and Miller, they're the future of the program. And Cabello had 16 first half or Miller had 16 first half points, and Cabello almost got a triple-double. So long-term, like looking into next year, I would be encouraged. But even for the, re- the remainder of the schedule, you know, I think the Wisconsin game, they have to compete. Uh, I think if they compete and it's a game, the committee won't dock them too much or hurt or hurt their seating too much because they understand that Io's out and he's going to play in the tournament. But if, he gets, if they get blown out and they look bad, that might hurt them. So – as far as I, as far as Illinois goes right now, I, I'd say I'm pretty level-headed. You know, I, I think that they're in a good spot. I don't think there's too much pressure on them tomorrow, but I do want to see them compete. Yeah, I'm right there with you with everything you just said. Uh, I don't think it's fair to fault Illinois too much if they lose to Wisconsin on Saturday. And to further that, even if Iowa was playing, I don't think there's a lot to fault them on. I mean, that'd be a quad one loss on the road. Like, you're not going to get faulted too much for that. Is it a game you should probably win? With Io, absolutely. Is it a game that you should compete in without him? Probably. I mean, we've been talking before with this. I mean, you still have the best player on the court with Kofi. And in in ways, you might have the advantage at guard, even without Io. I mean, Brad Davidson isn't the Brad Davidson of his freshman and sophomore year anymore. And for whatever reason that is, I mean, you feel good about your matchup there with Trent slash Cabello slash Miller. And the only guy of – Wisconsin's guards that you look at and like has a huge advantage over Illinois is probably Trice. But if that's, if that's it, like you got to feel like you've got a chance to compete even without IO. And I know things have to go right for Illinois in that situation, but when you have the, when you have a better, when you have the better big and you've got at least comparable guards without your star, you have to feel like you have a chance. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I, I know I picked Wisconsin to win the league, but I've, I've readjusted that take. I, I don't think they're very good. I, I thought it was hilarious that they were ranked this week in the AP poll. I mean, they have 16 wins and eight losses like that. I don't think Wisconsin's very good. And even without IO, I think that Illinois can certainly give them a game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. And then as far as the Michigan game goes, you know, if they, if he's not playing, I think that's like a super low pressure, nothing to lose game. I half joked to you last night that, they shouldn't bring him back because if they lose with him, that looks worse for their uh, resume. And if they lose without him, I don't think the committee is going to blink, you know, blink at all. So I think that they're in a good spot um, with or without IO. And I'm just excited. I, I like watching Andre Corbello run the point. I like watching all the touches he gets and the freedom he's playing with now. Um, I think it's exciting. I, I like watching him play. Well, and I think last night against Nebraska was the perfect game for him to kind of be given the ball. I mean, don't 
obviously I never wanted Io to get hurt. I, I don't wish injury on anyone, but if there's a game that he was going to get hurt in the following game, you probably couldn't have set it up better for Illinois, right? Like Nebraska's not very good. They don't have very good guards. And you were able to give Curbelo the keys to the offense. You were able to give him the ball and allowed him to create. And he even started the second half last night um, in place of Jacob Grandson, which I found very interesting, actually. But he he did what Curbelo does, and he did it for the first time in a while. I feel like he did it for the first time since the second half of the Indiana game in Bloomington. He attacked the rim. He found the open man. He wasn't trying to do too much all the time on the court. And I know he turned it over five times, but he still had eight dimes and he had, I think 12 rebounds and he finished 10 points maybe. Um, So he was close to a triple double. He legitimately flirted with it. And I think there was a time in the second half around the 16 minute mark. I was like looking at it. I was like, he's got a chance. Like I would have thought he was, I would have thought like the rebounds were going to hold him back. It was the assist. And if if only made like any shots last night from three, he blows out a triple double with his assist. I mean, how many guys missed open jumpers that off of his passes last night that he would have had a triple double if guys just made the shots. So Brad kind of scoffed at me this morning when I asked him, could Corbello be a triple double threat next year, like on a nightly basis? I know it's hard to do, but this is him as a freshman in his first like real game with starter minutes and starter touches getting close to that. So imagine next year, when he's better, when he probably has a little bit of a jump shot. Like, I I really think that next year, Corbello's going to get two he's to three. He's going to flirt with it. At, at least, he's going to at least flirt with it. I'm not going to predict that he gets one because Illinois went like 20 years without one. And then I somehow got gets two in like a two week time frame. But he's going to flirt with one. I at think least he's a, at least a few times. I know. I think he's 100% getting one. I think he's 100% getting one. There's no that's doubt bold, in my mind. That's a bold prediction. I, I think he was so close last night. Imagine See, that. Was, in my opinion, like he was close, but he was close against Nebraska. Well, they're going to next year. Let's assume they have a regular schedule. They're going to play some lower caliber teams. And I just, yeah. I, even in big games, he's had a lot of assists. I, I really think, and, and we've seen Brad has no problem leading his guys in to go chase that arbitrary. Because uh, to me, it's arbitrary, that arbitrary accomplishment. I think he is 100% getting one next year, and we can play this clip back when he does it against Jacksonville State in the second week. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it's a fair take. Like I said, I think he flirts with it, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one. Anyway, let's get to today's guest. Uh, today, we're happy to bring you Derek Piper of 24-7 Sports, Illini Inquirer, and ESPN Radio 93.5 in Champaign. Derek is the lead basketball reporter for Illini Inquirer, helps Jeremy Warner out a lot there. Um, he's one of the best on the Illinois basketball beat. He provides so much great analysis, recruiting updates, um, all that great stuff when it comes to basketball coverage. He can be heard on the drive with Lante, one of our former guests, weekdays from 4 to 6 on ESPN Radio 93.5 in Champaign. And if you're looking for him on Twitter and you don't already follow him, give him a follow at dpiper247. And uh, let's get to the interview with Derek Piper. All right. We are now joined by Derek Piper of Illini Inquirer. Derek covers all things Illinois basketball from the games to analysis to recruiting to scoops. So if, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already follow him on Twitter, but if you don't, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at dpiper247. So Derek, how's it going today? It's going well. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys having me. Excited to talk some hoops. Let's do it. Yeah. Before we talk some hoops, this is something I've always wondered. You know, I'd, I'd been following you for years as I followed Illinois uh, coverage, and I always wondered that 
what does Derek Piper do when he's not covering Illinois basketball, writing about Illinois basketball? <laughs> what do you do in your free time? Do you have free time? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hoops all the time for sure. If it's not Illinois basketball, watching big 10 basketball, um, recruiting, I'm missing the AAU scene like crazy. I can tell you that that usually occupies my spring and summer and I'm hoping to get back out there on that, but yeah, you know, I'll hop on the the PS4 a little bit if I got some free time, uh, watch some some TV, some office or whatever it may be, and, and hang out with my fiance. I got to make sure to do that. So, uh, yeah, that that pretty much fills up the schedule, you know. All right, Brent. All right, Derek. So it's been such a big week in terms of everything that's happened. We only we see Illinois lose to Michigan State on Tuesday. We see Iowa have a broken nose or some sort of other face injury that comes out. And then they're able to beat Nebraska on Thursday. And it's not done yet because they still go to Wisconsin on Saturday. So big picture wise, and I know this is loaded, but what are your takeaways from this week? Yeah, crazy week. Um, disappointing the way that they played at Michigan State. And I, I think that there's a certain there's a couple of things you can really hit on. I, I didn't think Illinois handled it really well emotionally as far as I mean, clearly it was a physical game and just seemed like Illinois lost their cool. Uh, early, particularly in that first half, and, and really struggle. And look, hindsight now, the way Michigan State's playing, looking them beating Ohio State, and just the way that Aaron Henry's going. I mean, they, they've they figured it out some, at least to the point of of being an NCAA tournament team and um, being one that can knock off a couple of top five. So uh, Iowa gets hit in the face, and uh, I mean, it's reminiscent of last year, where I know maybe it wasn't as late last year where, where he has that injury and there's a lot of questions about how long is he going to be out. I don't think we're wondering this time that, you know, is he going to play again in Illinois? That Those are questions when he hits the floor against Michigan State at State Farm Center last year that you're really worried about. Um, but now just the importance of this time. And I know that as Brad's talked about, the Big Ten titles probably off the table. You would really need Michigan to fall on its face here down the stretch. So you, you, you kind of play that into – uh, your preparations, and you want to do what's best for Io. So, um, yeah, with, with him being out, um, you, you play in a Nebraska team that's not very good. Uh, that, that's first and foremost. But it was encouraging the way that Adam Miller steps up. Really liked. We, we've been, you know, as, as media or fans out there, been talking a lot about. Let's see this guy do some stuff off the dribble, get to the rim, because that's something that he showed a ton at Morgan Park, Macarum Fire. I mean, this is one of the most talented scorers from that class. And for him to to have that switch flip on where he's replaced Iowa before, whether it's Iowa being injured or Iowa moving on to Illinois and having to really change that mentality or that that role, I'd really like to see that. And uh, Curbelo playing more with the ball in his hands because we know that Iowa with – you know, the, the pick and roll and transition and just so much weight that he carries on his shoulders, you're going to need a guy to be able to play make. And, and Trent hasn't really been in that role since his freshman year. And we saw against Nebraska, it was really Curbelo that was making those pick and roll decisions and hitting Kofi and hitting some other guys. So uh, for those two in particular to step up, Kofi to continue to do his thing, that was encouraging. Now you have a, a tougher test against Wisconsin, particularly with what they present defensively. Wisconsin is challenged. Um, with what they do offensively sometimes. Um, Kofi is a bad matchup for them, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm not expecting CIO uh, in that game. I, I think that Illinois is hopeful to have him back sometime next week. Is it going to be for Michigan? Is it going to be for Ohio State? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, overall, so far, what we've seen, it, it was a good response for the guys, you know, when you're missing an All-American. 
So going back to that Michigan State game real quick, I think what really concerns me about that, if I was an Illinois fan, is that Illinois continues to struggle with teams that are really long, athletic, pretty physical. I mean, they've struggled. Mizzou beat them. Obviously, they're pretty long, athletic, physical. Rutgers falls into that group as well. Maryland kind of roughed it up. I guess you could even say Ohio State when Illinois fell to them in December kind of roughed it up a little bit too. How does Illinois overcome that in this last, really, I guess, month of the season as we get head into March next week? That's a good question. I, I did have the same thoughts when, when you watched the Michigan State game, and it it seemed to be fairly reminiscent of, of the Baylor game. Uh, I think you throw Missouri in there as well. Uh, just with teams that can have length, can have physicality, can play with Kofi and get away with being physical against Kofi. Um, also, of course, you, I mean, you look at the Missouri game, Illinois shot a ton of free throws. Uh, they shot a lot of free throws against Michigan State, and when you're not going to make them, uh, then it really doesn't provide any kind of reason for a team to back off uh, of you know putting you at the line or uh, just kind of pushing the envelope of the referee and putting them in the position to make that call. But uh, there's no doubt that, look, Aaron Henry did a fantastic job defending Iowa, made him uncomfortable. And, and that's really the, the prototype that Iowa kind of struggles with is the six foot six guy that's can can bump him a little bit and can slide his feet with him and not allow him to get in the pain. And uh, there are there aren't a ton of those guys out there. You think about Davion Mitchell with with Baylor and what he was able to do. Well, really, they switched. I mean, Mark Vidal, that's Baylor just being Baylor. They're, they're crazy defensively. But uh, that is one thing you worry about. When I was not able to get downhill and not able to make those kind of decisions and really stress the defense, uh, it, it's going to put – more pressure on maybe an Andre Carbello because of his quickness to break things down or for Adam Miller to be that secondary guy that Iowa can give it up to. Because I think even for really, really good defenses out there, you're going to send a lot of attention at Iowa. It's going to present some other opportunities. Uh, but like you said, there are some of these games where, one, you got to hit free throws, and two, uh, you do have to find a way where those guys can maybe – present different opportunity or different challenges for Iowa that, you know, Wisconsin's not going to present or, or really most teams out there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, uh, Wisconsin, they don't really have the Davion Mitchell type of athletes. You know, Wisconsin fans might think Brad Davison could shut down prime Devin Booker, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, so going back to the Nebraska game, you know, we had both seen a lot of Adam Miller in high school and AU. And that looked like the guy to me that that Illinois kind of thought they were getting. And obviously his role has changed with Io being here, but how can Illinois maybe unlock some of Adams off the dribble game and, you know, sh- give him the opportunity to show off some of that athleticism, even when IO inevitably returns. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I do think there-, there have been times where I've wondered if you could run a set for him to allow him to, to do some things off the dribble. And he's gotten some, depending on the-, the defense or the way that they're guarded, he can get, he's gotten some switches sometimes where it- it's almost like you'd want that to be, an automatic ISO uh, because Adam has handles. He has the pull up. He has the ability to go to the rim. Uh, but also I think a lot of it is just on Adam and his, his approach. And, and as he's finding his way mentally, uh, I think that there's been times, a lot of times where he's kind of had it in his head where it's catch or shoot or nothing for me. And, and I, I don't want to make too many mistakes. I don't want to force the issue. I want to play within the offense. And I know that's been, really, you know, it harped to him from the moment he stepped on campus is like, look, we want you to play with the system. We still want you to be yourself. 
Uh, and that's kind of a hard balance for freshmen to try to figure that out. And obviously he sees Io there and he knows that uh, Io makes the, the thing go and you want to get the ball onto Kofi. But uh, I just think you would hope that Nebraska, that game shows him some things, some opportunities within uh, the offense that, you know, you get the ball on the perimeter. It doesn't have to be a catch and shoot three, even if you have, uh, a couple feet of space. Uh, I really liked the pump fake and, and uh, step in for the pull up that he hit on the, on the first possession and also just, just go to the rim, man. I mean, he's, he's got the athleticism. He's far more vertically gifted than Iowa was coming in. He's stronger than Iowa was. Uh, and I know he struggled some, you know, going to that game. I think he was seven for 30 uh, on two point field goals in the big 10, but last night, six of seven, uh, he's got that ability, the, the reverses, the, all the fancy stuff. I mean, there's a bucket. So it's just about getting comfortable and being able to execute. Uh, but also, of course, doing it against a better team than Nebraska. I'd like to see him try because I, I think at worst, he's a guy that can get to the line because uh, he's going to be able to absorb some contact and, and, and be able to explode. Yeah, I, I think that's a really fair point. His free throw attempts this year have been down, which is not something I thought I would say about Adam Miller. But I think you made a lot of good points as to why they why that may be uh in terms of the other role guys is do you think there's a rhyme or reason when there's a game that like trent plays well or andre plays well because that to me seems like when illinois is at their peak when you have kofi and io doing their thing but trent's making shots and Curbelo is creating for others so like why do you think it is that maybe some games those guys are stepping up and some games they just don't have it that's a good question um with Curbelo, it, it's really about not allowing one mistake to turn into four in a row uh, because there are those, those times where even in Michigan State, I thought he played a, a really nice second half and, and being able to get to the rim uh, and make some things happen. He just – he has that give and take. He, even in a, a really nice performance against Nebraska, I mean, he has five turnovers, but you live with it because uh, of all the, the positive things that he was able to do. Uh, there's just been some times where one turnover turns into two. He gives up a couple of baskets to the other end, and uh, all of a sudden I think he loses his cool or, or just it starts to unravel for him. And I know that's not necessarily unique to Carbello because we got a, a guy in Georgia that we see that from quite a bit as well. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree that when those two are able to complement a Kofi and an Io and, and Trent's able to make some shots. Uh, and I really like, I know he didn't have it against Nebraska, but just kind of his, we've, we've talked about no hesitation, Trent, and, and just his willingness to be able to, to let it fly and, and maybe even step in and, and do it within the, the two point arc as well. And, and maybe get to the free throw line a couple of times. Uh, but those two are, are really, really key. I, I do like, of course, that you know that Trent's going to be solid defensively and be able to do those things. But, um, yeah, those are really telltale signs early on in the game. If those two are able to play up to a certain standard, that Illinois can, can beat a lot of people when they're able to put that with Iowa, with Kofi. And then on the other end of the ball, you know, Illinois was, I think, top 35 in defensive campom last year around there. And they lost two pretty good defenders and Alan Griffin and Andres Felice. And this year their metrics in Kempom have gone up and they're now in the top 15 or 16. Why do you think they've been better defensively this year? I'd say it starts with Kofi. I think Kofi's taken strides forward defensively uh, that have been really impressive. Uh, just his overall consistency. Uh, and he wasn't a guy last year that, I think we went in and expected that this guy's not going to be able to play more than 
20, 25 minutes a game because number one, conditioning wise, and number two, just fouls. And we've seen so many big guys come into this league and really deal with that. And that wasn't always the case, maybe a, a couple of games for him, but um, his ability to just wall up in the paint and, and his presence, not only for the guy he's guarding, but if a guard's going to drive it and get anywhere near seven foot, you know, close to 300 pounds and, and just he moves pretty well for his size and he's just a threat whether he's going to get a, a hand on it or not you're going to adjust your shot knowing that he's in the vicinity so uh, having that, him at the back end the way he slid his feet um, and, and I think he's even done some solid things on the perimeter of, of hedging some screens and um, that's never going to be a strength for him but uh, he just continued to progress there Adam Miller's there's a lot of credit and I think the way that he's approached his time at Illinois and and Look, it, it was obvious that when he came to Illinois, he expected Iowa to be gone. I kind of had it in his mind. I mean, he said at the Jordan Brand store when he announced, I hope I was in the NBA. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want that for him? And why wouldn't you want the opportunity? Uh, he hasn't taken it as a negative uh, to to play alongside him. And he's understood, similar to Trent, that you got to be able to, to get it done at the defensive end. And that wasn't something that we really saw him do in high school was compete with that kind of effort and intensity possession to possession. Uh, and I think when you when you add that in with what you get out of DeMonte, with what you get out of uh, Trent, clearly, and, and Io, I think, has shown also that he can be an impact defender. And Jacob Grandison is another one that plays a lot of minutes, and, and he's gotten better since the early stages of, of this season. So I, you put it all together, and uh, I do think it, as I said, it all – really comes back to Kofi a lot of times as far as what you're getting in the pain. And uh, you've got a really good defender in Trent who's gotten a lot of deserved hype and uh, some other pieces around there that are getting it done as well. Eric, I want to stick with what you're saying here with Kofi because I feel like he's shown a lot of frustration, I think, on the offensive end with how he's been officiated over the last two or three games. But he's never let it affect him on the defensive end, in my opinion, because I don't think he gets called for bad fouls a lot of times on defense. Um when you see him, what do you expect from him out of Wisconsin? And how do you think he can dominate a Potter and a Reavers? Because you kind of hit on that earlier that he has an advantage there. Yeah, those guys just don't handle the physicality uh, as well against, especially someone like Kobe. I mean, that is elite. And that's a Brad Underwood uh, term. Uh, <laughs> elite physicality. Uh, I mean, he can just make you uncomfortable. Uh, and Reavers uh, and Potter both did not respond well to that. Uh, when you look at their rebounding numbers when they played Illinois, and I, I was digging up some of Reavers here recently. I mean, he's had two rebounds combined in the last three games. So it's not necessarily just against Kofi, uh, and, and you, you deal with with that. That's, that's tough. So uh, defensively, when he's able to just – I mean, Potter can't create any kind of space on a back down. Uh, I mean, you go to hit him and, and he's not moving and, and that becomes pretty tough. And, and if those two, which they have not shot the three all that well, even up to their potential, uh, not, to, I mean, I, I guess I am going to dog on Reavers. He's like, like 16% from three in big 10 play, which, I mean, he's never been a flamethrower, but uh, that that's not going to help. And that's kind of how you maybe hurt Kofi from pulling away from the pain. And if he's not going to get out there and get a hand up, you got to be able to hit those. And that's, I mean, that's what EJ was able to do uh, against him. But yeah, they, they can't defend him one-on-one. -on -one. There aren't that many guys in the league or, or in college basketball that can handle Kofi one-on-one -on -one right now with his touch, with his ability to go left, right, uh, and all that. So they're not necessarily alone in that. But uh, overall, it just comes down to the strength, the physicality, 
Kofi should be able to dominate them, but I, I'm sure that Wisconsin will try to get the ball out of his hands at every single touch and, and really make Illinois beat them on the perimeter, particularly without Iowa. Man, you bring up those reefers numbers, and it, it's pain to me because I, I picked Wisconsin to win the league in the preseason. Everyone was going Illinois-Iowa. I tried to get sneaky and pick Wisconsin. I was like, oh, Reavers could be a first-team all-Big Ten guy, and that's not been the case, as, as you pointed out. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I've been on the other side. Where Last last year I predict, predicted it to be the, I don't know, downfall of Wisconsin, the, Wisconsin getting that wake-up call, you're seventh in the league, and you're finally outside of that top five, and then they get a tie for first. So I guess we've kind of been on opposite ends of the spectrum there. I, I don't blame it. They brought it back a lot, and uh, we're able to have plenty of success, but uh, it's not necessarily working for them right now. Well, next year when they bring back Potter and Reavers and Brad Davison, they can again finish fourth. So, <laughs> sticking with sticking with this Reavers talk, I remember my freshman year, Wisconsin came here and they still have Ethan Happ, but Ethan Happ didn't even really take over that game. And you see Nate Reavers doing like, oh, this is this is their next like big tall kid in the paint that's just going to dominate. And I don't feel like he's ever reached that potential, Derek. I'm with you. Yeah, he had some. Uh, some really good moments against Illinois as a freshman. And uh, when you actually look at Georgie freshman versus Ethan, Ethan had never really in those matchups, if I'm remembering correctly, Georgie held his own pretty darn well. And it wasn't like Ethan goes in there as an All-American and just completely dominates the matchup. But yeah, Reavers was a guy that could step out and, and potentially, you know, hit that mid-range jumper, hit the, hit the three occasionally, um, fundamentally fairly sound in the post. You just expected him to get better and, you, you hope to God that he wasn't going to be Ethan Hat by the time he was an upperclassman. Uh, he has not become that. And, yeah, you just wonder how much he's really gotten better. Uh, and, and they've they've really been searching Wisconsin as far as how to utilize those, those two bigs. They started the year playing Potter and Reavers together. Then it's been Potter in the lineup. Now it's been Reavers in the starting lineup. And, and they're just trying to figure it out. And uh, as a team overall, too, when you look – think they've won four out of the last nine that that's not up to their standards or expectations as a preseason top five team so we talked briefly last night after the game about if the owner team we saw against nebraska could beat wisconsin on saturday i think it would be a very close game but i think you need a little bit more out of kofi assuming io doesn't play like you said like i think we all kind of expect him to not play what really needs to happen for Illinois to get what would really be, I think, a really important road win without your be- without your best player? Yeah, I, I think that clearly Kofi's going to be going to need to be the difference maker, and I mean he dominated them, annihilated them in the, in the first matchup. I really look for Curbelo to be a guy that operating in that pick and roll. Uh, it's going to be tougher than it was last night against Nebraska as far as breaking things down. I will say, as, as we've kind of hit on already, just Wisconsin doesn't have that quick twitch athleticism. I, I don't know that they can stay in front of Curbelo, but he has to be under control because Wisconsin is always, uh, as the, the cliche is, and it's true, they're just really disciplined and, and really will uh, take advantage of sloppiness if, if Curbelo gets loose with it. Uh, and, and he's got to be able to play under control and make the right play. Uh, I think Wisconsin will do everything they possibly can to – crash inside and, and try to get the ball out of Kobe's hands and really just make Illinois' perimeter um, beat them and, and slow the game down as well. Uh, and that's going to be interesting. Uh, I would expect a low-scoring game. I, I think that you got to hope that Wisconsin doesn't knock down threes and they kind of have some of these 
these offensive lulls that have been uh, fairly routine for them here recently. Uh, because if they if they're able to figure it out and, and and get some things going and start hitting some shots and if if it is a game that Reavers or Potter gets hot or, or whoever it may be I mean they didn't as a team I think they hit what was it four for twenty something against Illinois and, and that was uh, not a recipe for success so you kind of need some of that baked in there and, and yeah Kofi has to be the big difference and I think you also need still Curbelo and Adam to step up and, and do some similar things that they did against Nebraska. But I do think it's a winnable game, and um, I still honestly don't don't know who I'm going to pick when I when I do my preview. So I'd be remiss if I didn't have you on here to talk some recruiting. You know, like I said at the beginning of the show, you are the Illinois recruiting expert. Like, in my mind, you probably know Luke Goody's second cousin twice removed. So that's, <laughs> that's how I picture you. But um, so looking at the roster next year, we don't know if Trent and DeMont are going to come back. It doesn't really count against the scholarship limit, but those two spots have been filled by RJ Melendez and Luke Goody. And then Br- Brad has kind of made it known that I was going to leave. So that's going to open up another spot. And they're looking at uh, five-star wing Namari Burnett, who has some experience playing at Morgan Park with Adam Miller. He played for the Mac Irvin Fire briefly. He played at Prolific Prep with Coleman Hawkins. So he has some Illinois ties. Where do the Illini kind of stand with Namari right now? I really like what – if you're Illinois and, and you're trying to look at it from that vantage point, I would really like what you've, you've kind of heard from him here recently. I know he's done a couple of interviews and talked about um, how they've developed Ayodesumu and just the fact that – He's been in the National Player of the Year conversation, and oh, you flip on Sports Center a couple of times last week or whatever it may be, and you said game winners. I know they're against Northwestern and Nebraska, but but still, it's it's fairly impressive to triple doubles as well. Uh, that's that's a really good selling point. And as you mentioned, uh, the the connections that he has both to Adam, to Coleman, to the staff, the fact that the staff really pursued him hard for uh, a couple of years, and uh, I like. As far as what I've heard, too, I like what I've heard um, in terms of the potential fit. Uh, you do just you hold out a little hesitancy as far as things can potentially change the longer it goes on. And uh, there's been talk that he wants to make sure that I was gone. I mean, I was I was gone. If there was any indication, uh, if he needed any further validation of that, when, when Brad comes out, says he needs to go. And, and I was kissing the court last night. Uh, but I think it's been pretty clear that, that he is going to be able that he's moving on. And um can you close it down uh, within a reasonable timeline? Because uh, I think that the last thing you want to do is is get, you know, in a position where you're waiting and, and you lose momentum. And uh, Jalen Blakes is a, is a pretty nice guard out of New Jersey that you're in a, a decent spot for as well. And, and you don't want to miss on both of those guys because if Trent doesn't come back, which his dad's been saying some things on Twitter, it sounds like maybe he's not. I know that's out of out of his uh, vantage point and, and maybe not Trent's, but – uh, there are some feelings that maybe maybe you don't have Trent and you could use uh, another ball handler for sure. So uh, in terms of Namari, Alabama is one that I've really circled as, as a team to watch out for because they bring some similar things to the table as far as playing style because Texas Tech, they don't play very fast and uh, Namari really would benefit from an up-tempo type of style and Nebraska, uh, Alabama can really run. Uh, I don't know what John Petty's going to end up doing, but if he's gone, there's a similar opportunity as far as uh, getting some shots and, and playing fast. And Nato's is a really, really good coach. And they're one of his finalists. Uh, Oregon is another team as well. But uh, as things stand right now, uh, it seems like Illinois is maybe even out in front and, and just got to be able to close that thing down. But uh, all indications right now are pretty positive. 
So you're saying that Namari's not coming here if I wants to come here for a senior year? Uh, I'd say that's pretty safe. Um, <laughs> but I, I was not. He, he's, <laughs> he's gone. He's 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 gone for sure. <laughs> so uh, another wing that they're looking at, and they actually just made the top five for, is Wisconsin 2021. Um, Brandon Podzimski. I probably butchered that, but it's okay. Uh, you got it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, if, if Brandon's listening, then, you know, maybe that's a good sign, but um, so yeah, he's another wing they're looking at. And like I kind of mentioned, Illinois doesn't really have an open scholarship for him right now. I mean, guys might transfer Kofi might leave, which we'll get to in a bit, but uh, are they, so are they prioritizing him as well? Are they, are, or is like Burnett the main option in is uh, Brandon the B option? Like how are they kind of handling this with an uncertain amount of scholarship spots available and uh, Podzimski being like a, a wing kind of similar to Burnett? Yeah, I think that they'd be willing to take both. They definitely, if they had, you know, their choice, they'd land both those guys. And uh, there is an expectation that, I mean, any team in the country can probably assume, especially with the one-time transfer coming, that there's going to be uh, some some exits and, and just some some roster. I wouldn't say maybe overhaul in in terms of <laughs> comparing what we've seen here in the past, but uh, attrition. Just the fact that uh, there are going to be a couple of guys gone, and uh, you, you can probably expect a couple of roster spots to open up uh, with Namara. I think they look at him probably more in that. IO mold just as far as a bigger guard and, and someone that can play combo. Um, I, I don't know. They expect him to do a lot of point stuff, especially in terms of having Curbelo, but someone that can have the ball in their hands and um, facilitate and also score uh, with Podzinski, six, five, six, six wing bucket getter uh, lefty that can really shoot it. Uh, it. It is interesting taking three wings in this class. If, if they do get to that point of having Goody, having Melendez, having Podzinski, Podzimski. Um, but you do look right now, and, and this is a team that lacks length, and, and it is something that has really been an emphasis for the staff is uh, to get longer on the wings, to get more shot making, uh, and, and have Curbelo being a guy that can just be surrounded by lengthy shot makers. I think Coleman Hawkins plays into that. I know he's not a wing, but maybe uh, is that format in the future? I think that a lot of people are looking at. So uh, I, I think they'd like to take both those guys with Melendez, uh, with Goody, and then find that big man in the, in the transfer portal, assuming you're probably going to, you're going to need it if Kofi is gone or, uh, and that's going to be interesting too, because I think Kofi probably leaves his decision open as he goes to the draft and uh, Illinois will be trying to, to get another big man, but uh, can you get the, the A-list guy if Kofi's maybe uh, still holding out? So that, that's another fact that's going to be interesting to follow uh, this spring and, and going forward. Yeah, I know it, it's weird. I don't feel like Illinois has, any wings, any wings at all, really, right now. I mean, they're playing Demonte at the four, and he's a six. In my eyes, he's a six-three guard. So, it'd be interesting to see what Brad does with a ton of those wings on the roster. And then, so you briefly did touch on Kofi, but if if they let's say they couldn't land a top priority big man in the transfer portal, do you think they'd be comfortable rolling with Georgie as a senior at the five? You know, in the same spot he was in his freshman year. Offensively, I think they could they could get away with it. Uh, I think I mean there's still times that Georgie frustrates you as far as his stubbornness uh, of taking it in and, and throwing up a tough shot and maybe not kicking it back out. Um, defensively, I think that's defensively and rebounding wise, uh, I think you would be fairly concerned. Uh, now Georgie has had some moments here 
uh, as a junior where I, I think he's been pretty good defensively, uh, especially in terms of complimenting Kofi. Uh, but you, you've seen where you face some legit fives with, with, you know, seven foot size, six foot 11. And, and that's just really, really hard for Georgie to, to combat against being six foot nine. And uh, I don't know if Hunter Dickinson's sticking around another year, but I don't think that's a matchup that you necessarily want to see uh, him versus Georgie. Uh, so you'd want to be able to get even, even if it's not, the this guy's for sure our starting five uh, as far as finding that guy in the transfer portal. You want to have another option and, and probably get a little bit more size there to complement Georgie. Uh, if he is your starter, I, I think that uh, I, I wouldn't say that you're panicking by any means. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to have it where Georgie, Jermaine Hamlin, and Brandon Lieb are, are your rotation. You, you need to add another guy in that mix and – um, they would hope to get a high-impact guy because I think that they have a lot to sell with what they've done with Kofi and just the emphasis they have on getting the ball inside and um, Orlando Antigua and all that they've done with Kofi. So I, I think that they should feel pretty good about doing that, but they're going to have to be able to get that done. Derek, before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you, you've been covering Illinois basketball for a few years. I know you grew up in Champaign, but you haven't really seen Illinois basketball in your professional career at this kind of level. Just how special or exciting has it been for you to cover a team that has been this good for you? It's been great. Yeah. I uh, have never covered an NCAA tournament before. Uh, I've been doing this since about 2014, ever since I got out of college, uh, following Illinois. And uh, it's been a long, long road. Uh, I've been to a lot of Big Ten tournament Wednesday games and uh, a lot of games at Indiana where they lose by 20, 25 or whatever it may be. Uh, so it's just been special. And it's cool to not only and unfortunately without the fans, and that has been unfortunate, just to, to get the vibe of, you know, you you see him on Twitter, or you talk to people you know, and there's just a, a, a genuine excitement each and every night this team takes the floor and it's all anybody can really talk about. And like you said, being a guy that's from Champaign, that, that is special. That's what it, that's how I remember it. That's how I remember when I was growing up and it's 2005 or, you know, a couple of years before that, Bill Self era and, all, and, and everything. Uh, that's how it's supposed to be. So, uh, and then just knowing these guys, you get to know them, uh, as players, you get to know them uh, as recruits, and I followed Isle for a long time, and, and a lot of these guys really, and, and to see it come together, and, and then do some a lot of the things that they hope to do, uh, just dreamed of doing when they came to Illinois, and for that to be a reality, uh, I, I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. You know, down the the, the following stretches here of the postseason play, and uh, it, it was kind of a a sad moment walking out last night at State Farm Center. It's, I mean, this season's been a grind. I'm sure you – I mean, you guys know uh, all about that as well. But just for that to be the last game of the year, it, it's it's been a whirlwind. whirlwind. But um, we've been very, very fortunate to be in the building and uh, to get to have basketball and, and follow this team. And uh, that's been that's been great. I, I couldn't really ask for anything else. Yeah, I'm happy you were able to hit on a lot of that stuff. And I feel like I'm blessed in more ways than one in the fact that obviously I've been able to go to games this year, but also last year was my first year covering the team and they ended the year in the top 25 are going to go to the NCAA tournament. So I haven't had all of those struggles that you, Jeremy, everyone else on the beat has had since, I guess, really like the John Gross era. So I appreciate the winning. I probably a little bit less than you probably do, but it's still a lot of fun to be around this program. And it's amazing to me how much different the interactions that the team and the coaches have had with you this year, even to like last year and 
previous years because everything just seems so much more looser. Everyone's just so much more happy. I mean, winning makes everyone happy, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I've been part of covering coaching searches and or one of them though, uh, and John Gross being on the hot seat and everything. And those aren't, those aren't fun. Uh, those aren't fun to do. And, and, and to be around those guys that are feeling the pressure and feeling the heat and you're not winning. And, uh, I mean, we, we want to, you know, cover good stories and, and watch great games, big time games. And, and the fact that, yeah, it's a top 10, top five team, uh, throughout this season. And, um, just, to have, I mean, they had the Iowa rivalry and everything that's really materialized here uh, for this group, and uh, it's 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 been really a great opportunity, not only for you know people watching at home, but for us to be there covering it. And uh, yeah, I've I've seen the the other side of it, and uh, this is definitely what I prefer, and hope that it sticks around for a while. Man, covering bad teams is not something I can relate to. You know, this is my second year on a basketball beat. Maryland won the Big Ten last year. Illinois is in the top two this year. I've never covered a team that isn't in the top 25. So I can't relate uh, in the slightest. But uh, before we let and you And yet go, they still want Turge gone. They still want Turge fired. What's up with that? It's, that fan base makes no sense. But he's done a great <laughs> job this year with their team. Like they're, they're safely in the tournament now, it looks like. And that's crazy considering where they were a couple months ago. But uh, before we let you go, we always ask our guests for a prediction on the score of the game. And you already said you're not sure. I'm not sure at this point either. I don't know how Alec feels. So I'm going to ask you a different question that we've asked a la- our, our last few guests. Uh, I think the hottest debate in college basketball right now is Io versus Luca for player of the year. Where do you stand on this? And like, does Io's injury change that at all for you? Oh man, I, I might've gotten the, the tougher question. Should I just make a Wisconsin Illinois pick and make this easy on myself? Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, man, the injury really complicates it, doesn't it? And, and the fact is I I'd said, and I'll, I'll stick to, kind of the way I viewed it at the outset or maybe, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I thought Illinois needed to to win the big 10 to have IO be able to get this. And that was before a couple of triple doubles and, and you start to, to look in and there's this nice little history, history stat where it says two guys in big 10 history have had multiple triple doubles against big 10 teams and their names are, I assume you know, magic Johnson. So that, that's, that's one that, that stands out. And, and as far as his comparable stats to, Evan Turner or Penny Hardaway. I mean, those, it's ridiculous um, what, what he's been able to do. And it is unfortunate. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, if he shows up at Michigan, puts the mask on, and has, has a superhero performance, and or does that against Ohio State, I think that it, uh, voters are pretty impressionable, could be swayed late. So uh, as things stand right now, I, I would lean towards Luca. Uh, just because, I mean, it, it's hard to argue with his stats and, and the fact that Illinois seems like, I mean, they're going to fall short of the Big Ten title unless Michigan falls in their face. And uh, and Iowa may be not playing or, you know, not being up to his peak here late. So uh, I would say Luca right now, but I'll hold out judgment here as we as we watch the last, last stretches, last moments of, the, of this regular season. I this is like totally selfish and not what he wants, but I think if for Io's case, it's in his best interest that they get clobbered by Wisconsin after you have triple double. Not that people don't realize how impactful he is, but I don't know if if they want if they beat Wisconsin on Saturday, you know the Iowa Twitter fan base, which is loud and proud, is going to be like, oh, they, they don't need Io. They, they beat Wisconsin without him. So for his case, a loss would help, and then co- and then coming back 
with a face mask. Like you said, voters are impressionable. That would be cool. But I think I'm leaning Garza right now too, but I'm pretty torn. And yeah, there's a week left, so we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I can totally understand anyone that's out there saying that I should be it. I, I mean, I could it, – it's almost more of like a prediction of, of Garza should, is probably going to be it. If I had a vote, it, it would be – It'd be pretty tough, um, but it, I just don't think you can necessarily at this point argue with what Lucas Lucas done as far as his, his production. But I O, uh, what he means, if you want to make the argument of what, of what he means to a team, I don't think you can point to any guy and say this guy means more. And I understand why Brad has been pounding his fist on the table and saying this is the best player in the country, um, and, and anyone out there that's doing that as well. I mean, I O has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Wait, you don't have a vote? Like, you, you don't vote on these awards and player of the year? I don't currently have a vote for this. Yeah, I guess. How, gotta, how does that happen? We got to get this fixed. I, I don't know. Seriously. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that happens. That That is the most shocking thing I learned today is that <laughs> you don't have a vote. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. Um, I'm going to have to have to see if I can work something out. But um, don't do not currently have a national player of the year vote, but it's uh, a little bit of time left on the clock, I guess. <laughs> You did anything but disappoint us today. You provided a lot of great information. I always enjoy talking with you. Your analysis is always great, Derek. So thanks a lot for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, good catching up, and we'll have to do it again some other time. And uh, great Cardinals hat, Alex. I'm excited. I'm not wishing this college basketball season away, but uh, baseball around the corner has me excited too. I did put the hat on on purpose, knowing you're a Cardinal fan. I'm just really excited for the Nolan Arenado era to begin. So, Yes, sir. <laughs> anyway, Derek, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. Once again, a special thanks to Derek Piper of Alana Inquirer and ESPN Radio 93.5 for joining us today on Inside the Arc. Once again, he can be found on Twitter at dpiper247. Brandon, before we get out of here, are there any stories, anything you want to plug? Um, I know drafts, draft conversation is starting to get a little more common here. Uh, we were talking about that this morning. So is there anything draft-wise or story-wise that you want to publish or promote here? Uh, draft wise, you can just follow me for random basketball clips. I'm going to dive way deeper in, uh, during the off season, but we had three Illinois games this week. Illinois is my priority. That's all I was writing. I am writing a story about Adam Miller and how he takes a leap when IO sits out. Um, and then I do not have the game story for Wisconsin. My editor Gabby does. So I'll be doing player grades first time all season. You can compare me and Alex. Uh, I only have ever done player grades before. So this will be interesting. So, you know, we'll see who grades tougher, me or Alec. That that question will be answered on Saturday. Uh, Alec, what do you have to vlog? Yeah, I don't have much either. Obviously, uh, I'm also writing the Nada Miller story after the way he performed last night against Nebraska. I guess that was Thursday. If you're listening to this on Saturday, he did that on Thursday night. So read that story. Um, I guess I'm also appearing on a podcast with Orange and Blue News later today on Friday with Mike Latulip, one of our better guests, Brandon. So I'm excited to do that. Always happy to talk with Mike Latulip. But uh, other than that, I don't have anything. And you know what? I'm going to invite myself over to West Quad and we're going to do our grades together on Saturday for the Wisconsin game because I feel like that sounds like an entertaining thing to do. So yeah. I'll see you Saturday at West Quad. <laughs> that, that sounds good. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week. Big, big week next week. We have Michigan and Ohio State. Hoping to have some pretty good guests on, so stay tuned.